if you go to my YouTube page, it says, you know, stop selling, start telling. Like that's the the top thing, right? But the next thing it says business mindset and marketing. And to me, all three of those things, they're one thing, especially when you're looking at yourself as an individual, if you're an employee of a place or whatever, you having a good mindset is good marketing and it's going to be good for your business. Welcome to Market Like a Rockstar with your host, RPI. Bridging the gap between business, mindset, and marketing, this is your invitation to stop selling and start telling. Dive into a world where stories and advice aren't just shared, but crafted to build brands that resonate, captivate, and earn trust. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or a marketing professional, let's hit the road to brand empowerment together. Your journey to becoming a magnetic brand starts now. Episode four, Market Like a Rockstar. My name is RPI. I will be your host as always. I greatly appreciate you stopping by to check out this brand new infant of a podcast. It means a lot to me. And today, the title of the podcast is going to be right now at this very moment. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get into some of my thoughts on gratitude and mindset as it pertains to business, marketing, things like that. Some of the stuff that I've had to kind of deal with when I was, you know, on roller coasters, going up and down, trying to figure out things where I was going to go. And, um, some of the tools that I use to help me get through some funks that I was in quite frankly. But before we get into that, I'm going to kind of give you an update on where we are. This week has been crazy is where, where I am, I should say with, um, the podcast and my business and all that stuff, kind of behind the scenes, why why I'm doing what I'm doing and why this week has been so nuts. So the the company that I started in October of 2017 is RPI Creative. And I I may I have about six or seven clients that I work with on a retainer basis. And I do a lot of, you know, I do podcast production, video editing, social media management, stuff like that. And I started this business, like I said, in October of 2017. And I really I I knew I was, I started out just managing Instagram accounts. That was the first thing that I did. Each one of my clients, I was managing their Instagram account. And so I knew I was going to get into this space, but I didn't know what direction I was going to take. And the craziest part about that was I had, I, I was working in radio and I quit my job in October of 17. And there was a guy that I was going to partner with, um, that worked at that station as well. He ended up quitting in January of 2018 and he was more of the he was more on the analytics side of things, and I was more on the creative side of things. And so we'd like, hey, you know, we could kind of partner up and start taking some stuff on. And right out of the gate, um, you know, it didn't it, the the partnership didn't last very long. It ended up being a blessing, and you know, no hard feelings or anything like that. But right out of the gate, he was ready to scale. He's like, we got to scale this business. And I remember thinking at that point. I had started my managing my first social media account for clients in July of October 17. And I remember thinking like, I, I don't have anything to scale yet. Number one, like I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know what I'm doing physically, but I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what the long, <laughs> I don't know what the long-term vision for this is. And that lasted quite frankly for a while where I was just, trying to find what I wanted to be in this space. And I'd mentioned before, it's one of the reasons I wasn't making a lot of content because I was like, who, 
like, am I going to be a video guy? Am I going to be the social media guy? Am I going to be, you know, like what, what the hell am I, what am I really going to lean into? And until I figured that out, I didn't want to scale my business. And he was like adamant, we got to start hiring people and we've got to do, and, and, and at the same time, I think I had five or six clients. I think he had two clients. So, you know, it's not like he had a batch of systems and neither did I. And I, you know, I think he's doing pretty well. I, I, I don't exactly know where he's at now, but I don't say this to um, speak ill of anyone else. We were just going our different ways. And for me, when I, when he came to me and said, Hey, I want to start scaling stuff. I think we should start hiring people. I was like, well, I really want to take my time on this because um, I, I don't exactly know. I get all the reasons I just said, I don't exactly know where I want to go, what I want to do. And the reason I'm so excited about like this podcast and starting to put content out and all this stuff is because it took me six years to finally feel like, okay, um, I've got a direction and I've got like a mission and a purpose and I'm, I'm good at something and I can help people and it's effective and I can scale it out now. I can, I can actually scale it up. I can scale this business at this point doing certain things and that's why it has been so like the podcast itself is something that I've been kind of kicking down the road. But again, it, it wasn't so much getting the podcast started, even though it was a big part of it. It was more what that meant for me. And what that meant for me was like, hey, we're finally like we've got a direction now we can really. And it's not like I haven't been working hard because I had been working hard. That was one of the, you know, that was one of the the issues was before you have systems and processes in place, everything is a lot more difficult to do in this space. If you're doing content, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing analytical work of any kind, if you don't have systems and processes laid out, then you end up really like chasing five different rabbits a lot of times. So I, this week has been a huge culmination of like uh, basically for me, I'm just ready. I, I can just like let my, like take a deep breath and enjoy the fact that like, okay, it's almost like a, you know, like, like quitting my job in October 17 was like a huge step. And it was a big, a big moment to like, okay, I'm going to do this. Well, this is just as big of a moment because now I feel like, um, I feel like I have an official message to, to, to put out there. So I launched my new website last week, um, rpicreative.com. And if you go to the, the podcast has its own website, which is rockstarmarketingpod.com, but that really is just a redirect. So it just sends you to the podcast page of the RPI creative website. And on that podcast page, you'll find, you know, uh, you can listen to the podcast, the audio version of it. You can find links to the Apple podcast version, Spotify version. You can see the last handful of videos from YouTube on there. You can find links to YouTube. So it's a, it's a nice little hub for the podcast itself, but the website now, when I go back to originally, when I built my first website, like in 2017 or 2018, now I'd built websites before, but I hadn't used, you know, I hadn't done one for myself or for RPI creative, obviously. And so I was using a logo that I'd used for my music brand, which was, I love the logo. It's a, it's an RPI in a circle. Uh, my cousin who's an amazing graphic designer did this for me back in like 2000, I think. So forever ago. And I, it served me incredibly well, but RPI creative didn't have its own logo. So when I put up my original website, it was just, um, 
a theme, a WordPress theme that was super basic. And I, you know, I threw up some videos that I, you know, examples of my work and I, it was just basic, a very, uh, a very cookie cutter website. And so I didn't have, uh, I, you know, and when I talk about brand guidelines, when I talk about logos and branding and stuff like that, it's confusing because it, in my mind, branding is not necessarily the logo in the fonts and the colors and all that. I mean, it is technically, but there's two sides. You got the physical branding, you got your logo, you got your color palette, you got your fonts, you've got all that stuff. But for me, when I, when I refer to branding, generally speaking, I'm talking about the, and, and it sounds real like new age or whatever, but it's like the vibe. It's the voice of like, who is like, what brand is it? like for Apple? It's like, oh, it's clean. It's sleek. It's, you know, it's, it's modern and it's efficient, things like that. Like if I'm looking at brands, like if you look at like Mercedes, it's luxury, you know, it's like, okay. Like, so when I'm talking about branding, like, yeah, the logo is important clearly. And all of the, the logo, the fonts, the colors should all support that message. But a logo without the vibe is just a logo, right? It's, it's pointless in my opinion. So when I say, I say that to say, I didn't even have the actual physical brand, the logo or anything. So like back in 2021, I created the RPI creative logo as it stands today. And I came up with the fonts, the colors, all that stuff, which to me is fun. It's fun to come up with it. And I, you know, I did the research on the colors, like what they mean. It's red, white, and black. It's, you know, it's colors that I've always enjoyed and things like that. And so everything that I do will, will build off that. The market, like a rockstar branding is all based around the same fonts and colors, just got a little, a couple different, you know, logo assets to it or whatever. But getting that website finally built was such a huge weight off my chest. And it, it's something that had been like, like I said, I built, I, I created the logo. I designed the new logo, I think like two years ago, two and a half years ago. And fortunately enough, I mean, I had enough business coming in that was all word of mouth that I wasn't like, oh, I've got to, I've got to focus on biz dev. I've got to do this. And I really think that the word of mouth business that I had and my clients up to this point have been instrumental in getting me to where I am now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about gratitude late, later in this podcast, but right out of the gate, I can't tell you how grateful I am to the clients that I have, even the clients that I had that, that you know, maybe I, I had a couple that I worked for like three months with and it just wasn't a good fit, right? Um, but all of those clients and experiences moved me forward and they all allowed me to, they gave me the time to develop my systems and processes on the back end so that I can have this offering that I have today. And I'm very proud of it. I'm very excited about it. And really one of the big challenges that I faced when I was like, okay, I mentioned it earlier, like, what am I going to be? Cause there's, there are guys everywhere. People, when I say guys, I mean, guys, girls, there are folks everywhere that are, you know, they're video, like just specialists and they just crush it. And they, you know, that's all they do is video work. And I was, I love doing video work, but I was looking at something that I wanted something that would be a little more transactional in this space. And I wanted something that I could figure out really how to scale. 
And that's why if you go to rpicreative.com, you'll see the two services that I have listed on that website are vertical video services, which are like the talking head, the straightforward vertical video services and podcast production, editing, distribution. And that's, there's a lot of layers to that stuff, you know, especially the podcasting side of things. But I like those two services to start because I've found ways to, I've built systems and processes that have allowed me to outsource certain aspects of that work so that I can say, okay, I can onboard a new client, get everything up and running. And then I can hand off, uh, you know, just a, a portion of that work. Right. So it was really just a huge deal. And then at the very end, so I say all that to say, like we had, I had, I had designed the the new logo and I knew I needed a new website and I wasn't hundred percent sure what the services were going to be. I wanted something transactional and really over the last year, the podcasting thing and the vertical video thing really showed themselves to me. But over that last year personally, and I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to talk about some, you know, the things that happen in life and this is life, right. And it affects everything. Um, my, I got married a year ago in June. It's November right now. It's the week before Thanksgiving in 2023. I got married, you know, 18 months ago, something like that. And right when we got married, moved back, came back to Kansas city and completely remodeled our house. We had a little small house. If you're familiar with Kansas, if you're familiar with Kansas city, lived in a neighborhood called Prairie village, which I loved. I bought this house when I was single and it was tiny. It was 800 square feet, but I loved it. It's a killer neighborhood, but it was an old house. It had been a rental house for like 10 years. So we ended up getting back, completely gutting that house and saying, okay, this is, you know, we're going to keep this as a rental property probably. Well, then fast forward, I don't know, eight months, whatever. Earlier this year, a house comes on the market in Lee Summit, which is where we wanted to be. My wife works over here. I've lived here before. I love this. It's a sub. I mean, it is suburbia, right? Um, but a house came on the market and we're like, okay, we'll buy it. Well, we had had our our anniversary was a year after our, or I'm not, not our anniversary, our honeymoon scheduled for our first anniversary. So a year later, we're going to Europe for a couple of weeks in June. Well, we ended up buying a house, a house came on the market. And if you know anything about the real estate market, it's been bananas. So we had to jump on it and we had to buy it. There's, it was just crazy. We bought a new house, ended up selling the house that we just remodeled the year before because the way the market was, it just made sense it was a, it was a, it was a math problem to figure out how many years I would have to rent that thing to make up for what I could get when I sold it right out of the gate. So I say all that to say, these are all the things that are happening behind the scenes. And I know that in your life, when you're looking at starting doing something new, whether it's going out on your own or looking for a new job or whatever, it's, it is, you have things you have to take into consideration and I don't even have kids yet. Right. So if you have kids, it's like, I mean, that's just a whole other, like I look at people with kids and I am just awestruck at how they get things done because their life is bananas. So I say all that to say, we finally got moved into our new house. We had to do a lot of remodeling on it, did that, got this basement, my office kind of finished out so I could have a place to shoot these videos. And I was just so excited. Everything came together, but then for the website, I wanted to have, since I, I, since I do video editing, right. I wanted to have videos on the website explaining what I do. And so that's why everything had kind of gotten kicked down. The, the, the can had gotten kicked down the road to where it was. 
And again, when I say the weights off my chest, it's like, oh man, we had all, like I had all these things that I needed to get done, but there were all these massive behind the scenes, real life things were happening, moving, remodeling a house. When we were in Europe, our house actually flooded. Crazy story, right? But the the new house that we had just bought flooded while we were in Europe. Um, we had a new washer and dryer installed. They didn't hook up the uh, steam valve right. Just a complete just craziness. Like that's just life, right? Just life happened. So that's why when I say like, I'm so excited, I am, I am telling you right now, I am so excited. And this fourth episode, this is the first episode that I've recorded that I'm not batch recording. And so I recorded those first three episodes within a couple days. And I recorded them at the same time that I recorded the videos that are on my website, which is why if you go to my website, you'll notice that there's a handful of videos that are, you know, there's one that welcomes you to my website. There's one that talks about the vertical video um, offering, one that talks about the podcast offering, and one that talks about like my my story, like who I am, whatever. So I got all of that stuff done. And then, so then I had to wait to finish the website until I had the videos completed and edited and launching a podcast. And I'll, if you're into podcasting or you think you want to get into podcasting, um, one of the things that kind of best practices is you don't want to launch with one episode. You generally speaking want to launch either with a trailer and two episodes or with three episodes, something like that, which I opted to do the three episode deal. I don't typically do the trailer thing, but regardless, the first episode for me was kind of a trailer. It was just me giving my history and then kind of talking what this podcast would be about. That's really what a trailer would be. It would just be a shorter version of that, generally speaking. So getting all of that stuff done. And that that's a, a lot of work that was contingent on having the space to record it in and all that. So like I said, this being able to sit down, turn on the camera, turn on the mic and just record an episode to me is such a milestone. And I'm so excited about it because I've been working towards this for six years and I'm pumped. And the idea that people are actually listening to this, Hey, thank you so much. Um, but I also, I wanted to get into a little bit of the mechanics about that. Those first three episodes, you know, again, like I said, it's best practice that you typically record a handful of episodes like that when you're doing a podcast. So you're not just putting out one episode and then waiting or whatever. Um, the other thing on the back end for me as somebody who produces and edits and all of that, I like doing a handful of episodes first because it lets me really drill down the systems and processes for that episode. And so I work, I'd mentioned before, and I'll, I'll probably get deeper into some of the tools that I use, but I use Asana for project management. So if I'm creating content with a client, or if we are strategizing for the quarter, um, any of that type of stuff, I use Asana for. And if I'm launching, if I onboard a new client and, okay, we're going to start a podcast, then I've already got a template built out with step one, you know, like as far as book guests, schedule show. I mean, I mean, when I say checklisted out, I mean checklisted out, like literally everything is checklisted out. But, I say that to say that every single show is going to be a little bit different. So really you need a handful of episodes to get that system truly customized to that client. And for me, three episodes seems to be about right. And so 
I did all of that where I edited the first episode and it's always going to take longer when you do it. But I, I, I had mentioned in earlier episodes, the power of, I think I'd mentioned the power of podcast. Maybe that was on one of the website videos. They're all kind of running together. But the beauty of podcasting is that, and I think I'd mentioned this before, but the, the short form clips you get out of it, right? So it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a great way to batch content and I edited and I edited each one of the episodes individually so that I could work on them individually. I didn't batch edit them because I, it, I wanted to get the system per episode down because that's how I'm going to do it moving forward. That's the, I'm going to set up a cadence as far as recording on a certain day and how I'm going to edit things. And I'll tell you about that as well. But for these episodes, for the third episode, which was, I had, I had my systems pretty locked in at that point. Um, and it was a shorter episode. It was like 20 minutes. I think generally speaking, these will probably be in the 30 to 45 minute range, but I recorded a 20 minute episode and I use software called Ecamm to record. It's similar to OBS. There's, there's a handful of different, um, softwares out there that you can use, but it allows you to basically produce the podcast as you go. It allows me to produce it for my clients as I go remotely or in person. So that way the long form podcast is pretty much edited. There's a couple spots where I might screw up and I have to go back and take a chunk out, but it's really minimal. The real time is spent on the short form and medium form stuff. So, you know, I'd spent 20 minutes recording that podcast. Let's say normally you would spend 30 to 45 minutes recording, even if you've got your ducks in a row, as far as like, like I said, you want to have topic ideas, you're still going to spend a little bit of time getting videos queued up or links queued up or whatever. So let's say it'll take about an hour for a 30 to 45 minute podcast, take about an hour to record it. If you've got all your gear for me, I light camera, roadcaster, everything is ready to go. So I turn everything on, but I have to go through my links, my notes, say, okay, this is a fine tune what I'm going to talk about, things like that. So I spent about an hour recording. I, I will tell you what that got me was the long form video that will go up on YouTube um, long form audio that will be distributed to Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, all of those. And then the thumbnail, there, there are also thumbnails for each one of these videos, which is, you know, it's time consuming to do. Right. But I've got the one long form video. And then generally in the three podcasts that I did, I had between three and five medium form videos and medium form for, for me and for my clients is a generally a two to five minute video where it's going to be something that you would post it maybe on Facebook, definitely on um, YouTube and maybe on LinkedIn. Um, and then the vertical videos I was getting generally between, I, I had the, the first episode, I think I had like eight or nine. And then the second episode, I had 13 vertical videos. And the third episode, I had 14 vertical videos. So if we ended up with, um, like I said, almost 20, 20 videos. So to me, that's a really good bang for your buck. And the other thing that I would talk about is when you having those, the, the system that I have in Asana is so important because what it allows me to do, and I'll kind of get moving forward, what my plan for this podcast is, and it would be for any client as well, is like, okay, are we going to shoot this thing? Are we going to record weekly or bi-weekly or whatever? Typically weekly is a pretty good way to go, I would say, if you're going to do it. Um, but that's also why the checklist is so important. Because when I'm going through the editing process, I'm literally going step one, record podcast. Step two, add files. You know, I had created a template in Premiere Pro. So at, update the template for this week. Step three, blah, blah, blah. And it goes all the way down like that. And the reason that's so important is because 
okay, so you started at the top, you've did you've done the first five tasks. So if I have an hour that I can free up, then I know it's gonna take me, you know, I can I can knock out an hour's worth of editing. So the having the actual checklist like knocked out, it 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 just um it makes things so much more efficient and it makes it, it makes things it makes the elephant easier to eat, you know? And, and the other, the beautiful thing it is too, if, if I just, if there was a week where it's like, Hey, I'm just slammed and I'm just going to put out the long form podcast. You can put out the long form podcast. You can edit that. I could probably have that edited in 15 or 20 minutes, just the long form audio and video. That's super simple, super straightforward. All the work is on the chopping that stuff up and the, um, you know, doing all the, the little stuff on the back end. So that's, I, I kind of wanted to give you an overview into, like I said, where I, why I'm so excited about this um, and what it, not only what it means to me, but, you know, moving forward, this is what it's going to look like kind of. I say that to say this, since I'm starting to post again, I'm on posting on TikTok, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, I'm posting on all those platforms. But with this content that I'm creating from the, like the, the podcast is the first kind of wave because again, it's the easiest for me to systematize and knock out, but then I'll start adding other content. I'll start adding written content as well. And I'll start adding more, um, I say lo-fi, lo-fi meaning me talking in my phone, you know, me just recording, me reacting to things like that. I will end up adding that type of content into my strategy, but I want to get this up and running, you know, get all the kinks knocked out, worked out and, and just, and get moving forward with it. So I, right now, if you're following me on any of my socials, it's going to be really, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a lot of podcast content because I'm getting started right now and I'm kind of, you know, figuring out what works and then I'm going to start adding in other layers of other type of content, behind the scenes stuff, you know, um, shorter form, things like that, that are just straight shorter form, not short that's cut out from the podcast. So I wanted to give you an update on, on all that stuff. Now I want to get into the, um, the title of the podcast is right now at this very moment. And I kind of want to tell you where that comes from and what it means to me. And uh, yeah, so the other thing that's been crazy about this week is uh, my uncle passed away on Monday and my family is very close. I grew up with, uh, my, I should say that my 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 dad's side of my family, my mom's side, we were close-ish, but my dad's side of the family, I grew up, my dad had a brother and two sisters, I had eight cousins or nine of us total. We all lived in Kansas city, which is wild when you think about it. Like none of these kids, my grandparents moved to Kansas city in like the forties. I want to say from like small rural towns in Kansas, like an hour and a half away from Kansas city, but all of their kids got married, stayed in Kansas city. And to me as a child growing up, it was the coolest. I had one sister and then I had, you know, eight, like I said, eight cousins, seven other cousins, I guess, or nine of us total. So we were a close family and, um, my uncle passed away and it's, it, whenever that kind of thing happens, um, and he was, you know, he was, I think 80 or 81 years old. And it was honestly, it was a blessing because he was fighting an illness and he was not doing very well. So I think at the end of the day, it's a blessing. He led a very full life. He had, um, he, you know, saw his grandchildren born, saw a few, like, five or six great grandchildren. So he lived, lived a very full life. 
Um, I'm very, I'm very sad for my cousins. I'm sad for my aunt because, um, I lost my mom when I was 31 years old and she was 53 and it was really, really hard. And I know exactly how they feel and their family dynamic is going to change. And my heart goes out to it. Uh, my heart goes out to them. And, uh, I say that because when things, when real life things happen, like losing somebody that you care about, um, it helps you put things in perspective and it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the minutia of content creation, right? Things that are really, truly insignificant at the end of the day, but they're important. You get so wrapped up in your own life, in your own head. Um, and I, you know, I went through, uh, I had a really rough 12 year relationship, a long time. And I say that because I was miserable for 12 years and, um, I had to do a lot of work on myself after that. And I'm getting to the right now at this very moment thing. So from the time I was 25 until the time I was, the time I was 23 till the time I was 35, I was basically, um, I don't know how to say it. I was very, I lost, I had all the conf, I lost all the confidence in myself. I lost all my confidence. All my self-confidence was gone. And I had been a very, you know, just, I don't know, confident kid, you know, growing up or whatever. Um, but I basically had to start over at 35 and I had to do a lot of work and I had to realize, I had to figure out why I allowed someone to, uh, manipulate me in that way. And I say that I know people, what's that do with business? Well, it has a lot to do in my opinion. I believe that if you're not happy at home or if you are at home with someone who is actively working to undermine your happiness, I believe you owe it to yourself to remove yourself from that situation. And I did. And it was the hardest thing I had to do because I believed I, I won't be able to survive on my own because I've been told that for 12 years. I'm going to fail. I'm going to starve to death apparently. Cause I'm not smart in the traditional sense. It's something I was told. No one would ever hire me because I was told things like that. Right. So I, 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 and I believe the worst part of it was like in, in hindsight, I look at it, I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? But I believed it. And that's those relationships. That's how they work. They didn't start out. I, I wasn't told that out of the gate, but at the end it starts very small. And then by the end you are believing things that are preposterous and insane. And I say all of that, I, like I said, I, I truly believe you need to be happy at home and home needs to be a safe space where you can truly be yourself and be supported by the people that are super close to you. Um, like my family, like my aunt and my uncle, uh, rest his soul, like my all of my aunts and uncles. And that was the thing. My family, I grew up surrounded by people that got along. We didn't have any, um, you know, I don't say toxicity. We didn't have any in my family. It was very, uh, not hindsight, it was very unique and special, but when I was growing up, it's all I knew. So everybody, oh, they were all, they all got along. Everybody got along really well. So um, I say that because I talked about buying the house in Prairie Village. So I ended up going to Nashville to write songs. Like I said, didn't have any kids, got out of the relationship and spent time in counseling, spent time in therapy, uh, spent time, I read a thousand books to try to figure out why the hell I was like letting, letting this happen. And I was also, you know, living the dream as far as playing music goes. But the great thing was I just, I love my job. I just worked 24 seven. Everybody thought I was, you know, uh, moving to Nashville. Like you're like, oh, you're, you're trying to be a rock star. It's like, no, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to write songs. And I was either writing songs or I was 
driving to a gig or I was performing a gig or I was packing up whatever. But it was in 2017 when I gave my notice. Like, so I came back to Kansas city and I got my confidence back. I think I got, I think I got my confidence back when I was like 38 or 39. So it took me like three years to kind of get back to the point where I was like, okay, you know what? I can, I can handle life. It took me three years after 12 years of just having the life sucked out of me. It took me three years to figure that out. So I, I, I get back to Kansas city and I had had in a previous life, I'd had a golden retriever and I'd always, I loved, I had a golden retriever and a Bernese mountain dog. And I'd always loved both of those breeds, but especially the golden. And when I was selling radio, a friend of mine that I worked with, I, I said, okay, I'm going to, I am going to get a little rental house and I'm going to get a, I want to get a, a puppy. And a, a girl that I worked with sister was working with somebody who had a litter of golden retriever puppies. So I went and I, I picked out Nash. I picked him out from, from the group and he is the best dog on the planet. I mean, I'm sorry. If you have a dog, I'm sorry to tell you that your dog is not Nash because Nash is the best golden retriever on the planet. And I was, I remember it was after I I was starting to work for myself and I had just gotten to the point where I, I was doing okay. You know what I mean? I was finally like after just years of struggling and mentally just like, what the hell are you doing with your life? You know, I was doing okay. And I'm out walking through my neighborhood with Nash, my new neighborhood in Prairie Village, where I'm looking around and I work for myself and my clients are great. Um, I had a girlfriend at the time who was now my wife, who was awesome and is fantastic. And just everything that I'd always wanted, everything that I saw that my parents had, I now have. And I remember walking Nash and I remember thinking right now, at this very moment, life is perfect. And I thought about that. And now I think about it all the time and I practice gratitude on a daily basis. And it is, it helped me when I was going through all of my funk when it was perfect. And this is professional and personal stuff, right? If you're in a job, like, I mean, I was playing music in bars. I was writing songs. I was doing what I wanted to do, but I also was like, ah, you know, I'm 38 years old playing music in bars. Like I wasn't like self-conscious about it. But I also was like, this is not, this is not where I need to be. I, I never felt like I, I didn't, I was always, but even then I was grateful to be, cause I was three years out of a relationship where I was just being miserable. Right. So I, that was one of the things that really helped me get my confidence back. My life back was looking around and being like, yeah, you know what? I've got the best sister in the world. I've got the best dad. I've, I've had a great, you know, starting, So I say that because I look around and I was, I was watching a podcast on, on YouTube. I was listening to a guy that that he critiques podcasts, right? Like I'll fall into the, I'm not a huge, like I I like Rogan and I like that, that group of guys, but I'm not like, I don't watch the three hour podcast. Like I'll watch a lot of the clips. I'll find them interesting or whatever, but there are these channels on YouTube that will just go in on these guys. (laughs) And I, and quite frankly, I find it interesting. You know what I mean? Like they'll go in and they'll rip these guys apart. And one of the guys that they, uh, yeah, they rip apart a lot where they were, it was a, it was a video and it was like a 10 minute video and they were basically ripping apart Tom Segura and Burt Kreischer. And I like Tom Segura. I'm no fan of Burt Kreischer, but you know, God bless him. I hope he's, he's doing very well, whatever. But there was a, it was a, a clip of a video where Burt Kreischer was talking about how, you know, having a loser mindset will make you a loser, right? And these guys, the guy that was critiquing the video 
was basically saying like, oh, it's easy for you to say that because you've got all this money and you're successful and blah, blah, blah. And your life was always easy and this, that, and the other thing. And I, I, I had to stop because it was such a bright display of those two completely different mindsets. And one of which was, you know, the victim mindset where, you know, I, I guess this whole, the whole thing stemmed from the fact that Tom Segura was his people were complaining that he was talking about how he has like a lot of cars or something like he, he does very, I mean, very well for himself. And he, he talks about, Oh, I bought a, bought a watch. It's probably a $10,000 watch or a $50,000. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a watch guy, but basically they were complaining that he was, um, he was talking about nice things that he was buying and they don't have that money and it makes them feel bad about themselves. And I look at that and I'm like, Oh man, the guy that feels bad about himself because somebody else is doing well, that is a surefire way to, to lose. And I think Tom Segura was right when he said, you have a loser mentality and you can say it a little, (laughs) you can soften that language a little bit, but the reality of it is if you look at people that are, and first of all, people that are driving nice, it doesn't necessarily mean that they, that they, uh, a lot of these people are living on credit. Number one, number two, Trust me, when I tell you I was living in misery, I was living in my dream. If you looked at my life from the outside, it would look like I was living the dream. I was living in a house that was massive in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I Like all these things from the outside looked great. And on the inside, I was miserable. So my point is not that, you know, I, when I hear people talk about, uh, you know, um, it's easy for you. It's easy for you. It's like, well, you having that mindset, having a grateful mindset out of the gate when you have nothing, like I had nothing. I was, I was like, I mean, I, when I started over, I was, I don't know, I was, I was 35. And then I started over again when I was 40. And when I was 35, I was moving back to Nashville with nothing. When I was 40, I was moving back to Kansas city and I had no money. I had no, I had no job experience, but in my mind, I was grateful for what I did have. And I think that helped me get over the hump. And that's what I'm trying to say. So even if you are down in the like very bottom of where you are, if you can find those things to be grateful for, if the people around you are healthy, just, just that, I mean, I say just that, but like I've had friends that have spent six months in the NICU with their baby. I've had friends that spent years in the NICU with their baby. That's real issues. Like those people, that's stress. If you're not happy at your job, then I would say like get your mind right and start making moves to get out of it. Do you know what I mean? And if you want to start your own business, then you can do this. If you have the mindset that somebody else had it easier than you, which some people do, then that doesn't benefit you at all. It doesn't help you at all. So for me, gratitude is such an important part of just my life because I feel like I had a very, I had a great existence 
And then I ate a shit sandwich when my mom died and I was in a horrible relationship and my career was going nowhere. Um, and that was still better than 95% of the people on this planet. When I look back on it, that's the thing. It's like, you can look around and say, okay, look, I'm still doing better than, than most people. Right? So my point is find things to be grateful for and you will be astonished at how much happier you are, how much easier it is to take those chances that you're afraid of taking, you know, that, and especially when you combine that with being happy at home, because if you've got someone negative that is making you question everything that you shouldn't have to question, that's almost impossible to get out of. In my, it's, it's impossible to navigate. It, and I couldn't do it. So maybe it's not possible for everybody, but I couldn't do it. And all of those things spilled over into every single thing I was doing. So that when I say like, what's this have to do with business, marketing, whatever, mindset has everything to do with both of them, in my opinion. It, there, there, is, there is no difference. If people are moving goalposts on you and, and um, you know, for lack of a better term, gaslighting you, if they're lying to you about things, like if it's a client, if it's a boss, if it's somebody that works for you, like you've got to get those people out of your life. You got to do whatever you can to distance yourself from those people so that you can be surrounded with people that, that are reliable, that you trust. And that will make all the difference in your life. And then I was going to go into, I've got a couple stories where I wanted to talk about how just, uh, you know, when you get yourself in that, in that right headspace, you are opening yourself up to a world of opportunities, you know, and culture comes from that. And culture is the vibe, whatever you want to call it. I would notice all of the time when I was, when I was playing music and I did this for half my life, um, I would notice when I showed up at a place, if it was a new place, if the door guys were solid, if they were good, good, good to be around, then the owner was going to be solid. And if the owner was solid, the door guys were going to be solid. And that is one of those things where it is, you can't track it, you can't trace it, but it trickles all of the way down. Because if you're an owner of a business, if you're in, in my in my case, it was bars. If you're an owner of a bar and you've got a harmonious vibe at your bar or restaurant or whatever, then your staff, your bartenders, your your cooks, your they are going to treat your customers better, and your customers are going to have a better experience. And even if something goes wrong, which it inevitably will, if you've got people that are not miserable at work, then people will give you grace on that. If, a, if, a, if, if somebody brings you out the wrong, the wrong food or the, the, or the food's a little bit cold or whatever, if, it's, if you've got a good rapport with your server, eh, it's not the end of the world. That's not what it's all about. They can fix it. They can make it right. So for me, like all of this stuff, just it totally, it comes together and it makes businesses, it makes companies good to work for or bad to work for. And so finding that place, being the the person that is pleasant to be around, that's good to be around, is such a winning strategy. And in Nashville, 
the, the talent in that town, one of the things I loved about Nashville was number one, the talent, but number two, the amount of genuinely good people that were also insanely talented and people that were self-aware, that were kind, that were from all over the place. And I feel like that that is by and large the the industry there and there are dirt bags everywhere clearly but one of the things people would talk about was if you were going to go out on the road and I was doing my thing where I was going out and playing my own shows you know in bars and whatever but all my friends they were doing stuff where there was one guy that was a video guy he'd go out and shoot video for artists that were on the tour so he'd be out on a bus with guys and one of my other friends is a guy that does uh he does like front of house or he does all, he does uh monitor mixes right so he'll go out he was he worked for uh the band Perry for years so he'd go out on the road with those guys and run their monitor engineer right so all these guys were um they were all working in the industry in some capacity but what they would tell you is that one of the most important things about getting a job in that space was being a good hang on the bus, right? (laughs) Like be a good hang on the bus because if you don't know anything about tour buses, they sleep 12 people. And especially if you're in the crew, like sometimes if you're Taylor Swift, she's got her own, she's probably got five buses, right? Then, but her crew, there's 12 people in that thing that are rolling around together. So you're going to be, you're going to learn way more about those people than you want to know. But at the very least, like everybody in Nashville was, they were amazing guitarists. They were amazing guitar techs. They were amazing drummers. They were amazing videographers, but there were enough of those people that were so talented that if you were tough to be around on the bus, you didn't last long. And I think that is such a, again, you just take that and you can apply that anywhere. There are people that we all work with that you walk into the office and you love seeing that person because they brighten your day a little bit. That doesn't mean that they're always a, you know, they're always cheery, but they make you laugh. They make you smile. They make you think, you know, be that person because that's the person where if you, you know, that person, you end up switching careers, you start your own business, whatever. That's the person that you want to hire. And that is marketing. That's branding. (laughs) That's your brand. Being easy to be around is a hell of a brand. It's a hell of a marketing play, right? It's just, it's it's incredible. And, and the other part of it was when it comes down to just being a good shit, as Bill Burr would say, you know, just being a decent human being. When we were, my college band, we, would, we were big enough in Columbia, Missouri to where when the bands that were touring around would come through and play the Blue Note, which was the thousand seat venue, um, if they didn't have an opener, then the owner would call us and we'd get to open for them, which was incredible. Like it was a dream come true because you're basically opening, you're playing to a sold out crowd in your hometown. So when you're doing it, I think they paid us like 50 bucks or we were playing for free even. It didn't matter. It, it didn't matter because we weren't driving anywhere. We didn't care. We got to play in front of the Blue Note. So it, it number one, they got an opening act at the the same, there was overlap, right? And these were bands that were like, if you're old like me, you remember these bands like the Samples, Jack O'Pierce, Freddie Jones Band, like back in the in the late '90s, it was this this radio format. Like you had classic rock was a format, but you also had AAA, which was the format that all these like college bands would play. And it wasn't like top forty music; it was like the cool music that the college kids listened to. And they wouldn't necessarily be on the Billboard charts, but they would be selling out places like this. They would sell out 
the Blue Note in Columbia, the Granada in Lawrence, they would sell out these venues all over the country and they would have, you know, like you would hear their song maybe on uh one of the, there was a band from Chicago called the Chicago called the Bodines and their song was the um, theme song for Party of Five, that TV show, right? So you'd hear their songs like you'd be at the mall and you'd hear their song like getting played, but they weren't getting played on your top 40 station. But those were the bands that we'd get to open for. And there's two specific instances that I'll, I'll tell you. So we got to open for the samples, which we were all big fans of these guys too. And they were all probably, we were like 20, 21 years old. These guys were all about 30 probably, if I had to guess. So they were old when you're 20 or 21. And Jacko Pierce was another band, same thing. Um, they were, you know, these bands had record deals. They had tour buses. They were legit. Um, and so we would, it was, it was within a month and we were opening for both of those bands and they would both sell out the Blue Note every time. And we opened up for the samples and I will say this, they were not pleasant. <laughs> they were not great to the opening act. Um, and we were also aware of the fact being an opening act, we had to be courteous in the sense that get the hell off stage. Like you don't, you don't need to know this if you're not a musician, if you are a musician and you're opening for a band, the only thing that matters to that headlining act is that you get the hell off that stage at the time you're supposed to get the hell off that stage. Like if, if you're playing from seven to seven forty five, seven forty four, thank you. Good night. Jacko Pierce is coming up next. Like get the hell out of there. Right. That's the only thing you have to do. We were aware of that and we did that. So we were very self-aware of who we were, what we were doing. We didn't, we didn't think these people were here to see us. We knew they weren't. We knew that we were getting to play in front of this audience and reaping all the benefits and we were grateful. And so we paid attention to that, got the hell off the stage. So I'll, I'll leave it at the fact that the samples weren't pleasant, but then Jacko Pierce came through. It was crazy because this all happened in like a, a two to three month period. It was quick. And not only did those guys, were they great to hang out with? They were super nice. They invited us on their tour bus at, between soundcheck and the show. And we were, I, like I said, we were 21 years old. Um, and to me, I was like, holy shit. I'd never been on a tour bus before. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And th to this day, they're the coolest, <laughs> maybe not the coolest thing I've ever seen, but they're top 10, right? They're all, tour buses are awesome. But it was the experience of not only now you're getting even closer to like what it was like. And the reason I say that is it made me like their music more. Listen to that for a second. I, the samples in Jacko Pierce, I like both of them, especially now it's nostalgic, right? It takes me back to college. But when I listen to the samples, I always think, eh, these guys are dicks. <laughs> you know, this guy's a dick. He's miserable. You know, now, this is Jacko Pierce. I, I buy their solo stuff. These guys, they're doing reunion tours. I buy, I buy their t-shirt. So think about that. Just being a decent human being. And the thing of it is they weren't just a decent human being to me. I was nobody. You know, it's kind of like that. It's that idea that before you hire somebody, you're supposed to take them to lunch so that you can see how they treat this wait staff, right? It's the same, like these guys, they had, they didn't owe me anything. I owed them something and they were helpful. They, not they brought us on the bus. They answered our questions. We were asked, we were asking them, I was like, what do you, we were asking questions about production, about touring, about management, about all this stuff. And they just were the coolest guys. And ever since then, they got a fan for life. That is branding.
That is marketing. It's not about the logo. You know, Jack Pierce had a cool logo. But that's the real deal. And so this podcast, if you go to my YouTube page, there's it says, you know, stop selling, start telling. Like that's the that's the that's the the top thing, right? Stop selling, start telling. That's the top thing. But the next thing it says business mindset and marketing. And to me, all three of those things are they're one thing, especially when you're looking at yourself as an individual, if you're an employee of a place or whatever. And so you having a good mindset is good marketing and it's going to be good for your business. Whether you're working at a Fortune 500 massive company or you're a solopreneur somewhere, just be a good person. And being a good person, one of the the, the hack that I learned that helps me be a good person more often than not is get the shitty people out of my life. <laughs> like that's a big part of it. A big part of it is not having somebody that's just sucking the positive vibes out of you. And I, I know it sounds, I know vibe dude, like I know it sounds weird, right? But that's the reality of it. If they if these people are like vampires, if they're energy vampires, get them out, get them out. Life is too short. So we're going to wrap up this episode, but before we do, I want to start doing something. I'm, I'm old school Twitter. As you know, if you listen to episode, whatever, one, two or three, like one of my favorite things about back in the day on Twitter was follow Friday. Like they, they're like, Hey, follow Friday. And they list like, like, Oh, you like this band? Like, let's, uh, you know, let's these things out. So I kind of want to do something like that, but I want to let you know if I'm following people that I think are incredibly valuable, I want to share them with you. And so I am, there's a guy on TikTok, and I hope I have this queued up to the beginning. I'm going to pull it up. Where is it right here? There it is. I don't know what his name is. Uh, his TikTok handle is brand boss HQ dash WMH. I think his name is Bill, maybe William. I don't know for sure. But this guy is an amazing follow on TikTok. If you are into branding, marketing, et cetera, he's got, now this video is three minutes. It's a little bit long for TikTok, but we're doing a podcast. So we're going to listen to a chunk of it. And we're going to go off of a little bit, but I want to show you part of this guy's video. And I want to tell you that if you're in this space, you need to do yourself a favor and follow him because he gives killer advice. He's very knowledgeable and he's spot on about stuff. This video, he's going to talk about the golden rule of advertising. Okay. The golden rule of advertising explains, stick with me on this because once you have this tool in your head, it makes marketing a whole lot easier. So the normal golden rule example is don't sell the drill, sell the hole. And that's only 50% right. It is true that you don't want to sell the drill. It's not about your product or your service or your company or your people or how much you care or how it, like none of that stuff, none of the features, none of the benefits, none of that matters. That's all irrelevant. So check hundred percent correct on that. The part about the whole, though, is a little off, and here's why. It isn't about the whole. It's why you needed to make the whole in the first place. That's what the really great agencies are going after. And I'll give you a good example, and I'll even give you a good example in B2B. Let's say you make promotional videos for business-to-business -business companies to help them grow their business. So you pick up the phone and you call a business. You say, hey, business, I make promotional videos to help you grow your business and we help you put them online and whatever. Now, if that person, that CEO, happens to think that promotional uh, videos is a good thing, well, then maybe they'll talk to you. Or if your pricing is right, then maybe they'll talk to you. But the bigger question is, why would somebody want promotional videos? And the 
obvious answer is, well, to grow your company. That's true, but that's not a big enough pain point. The bigger pain point would be to go back and look at a small company like this and say, what happens cyclically to your business? Well, if you look at a small business like this, you're going to see that their inflow and uh, for biz dev goes like this, right? It goes up, up, up when they're not busy and then they get busy and then their biz dev efforts fall off and then they don't have any work and then they have to work real hard again to get it. And so the tail's kind of wagging the dog, right? Because they're like high, low, high, low, high, low. So if instead you go in and you say, we make promotional videos that help even out that up, down, up, down, up, down thing that drives you nuts all year, all of a sudden the value of the videos that we're providing goes sky high. Because So there you go. That's just a little taste of it. But He's a fantastic follow. Check him out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching this, if you're listening to it, be a friend, tell a friend if you enjoyed this, tell somebody that, that might get some value out of it. And until next time, like I always say, stop selling, start telling, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Market Like a Rockstar. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. Help us out and share this episode with anyone that you think might get value from it. For more info, correspondence, and links to all of our socials, visit the website, rockstarmarketingpod.com. Until next time, go make some content, build your brand, and be sure to stop selling and start telling.